God, we love you, and we are so grateful and so thankful to be in this place, God, to worship, especially on this day, on this Easter Sunday. God, we, we give you all the praise. We give you all the glory this morning. And God, this morning, as we, uh, we, we just hope and we pray that we have, you have heard the words of your people as we have worshiped you, God, and God, I pray that those were pleasing uh, this morning, I just pray that you would speak through me as well. Would the words that come out of my mouth be your words for your people on your day, God? We are here to hear from you, God. I, I just I hope that we can leave this space knowing that we have met with the one true God. Uh, and would we leave here changed and shaped because of what we have seen here with you. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it is Easter Sunday, uh, and uh, Easter Sunday is, again, one of my favorite, favorite days of the year, uh, and I'm glad that you've chosen to join us here this morning. It's the, for some of you, this is kind of the highlight of your year. It's kind of the, the highlight of your year. You come on Easter Sunday, you just can't wait to worship uh, for others. Uh, you know, this, this may be one of the only times of the year that you are in service, and that is okay. No matter where on that spectrum you are this morning, I just want to say I'm so glad you're here. I am so glad you're here to be able to, to just celebrate with us the resurrection. You know, last week we began our journey through Holy Week. Uh, Holy Week is the, the, the week on the Christian calendar leading up to Easter. It starts on last Sunday, which we call Palm Sunday. And on Palm Sunday, what we celebrate on Palm Sunday is Jesus coming into Jerusalem, riding into the city as people are throwing down their palm branches and they are throwing their coats on the ground and they are saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to the son of David, Hosanna in the highest, right? They are calling Jesus. They are basically crowning Jesus as king. They are wanting him to come in and to be victorious over an oppressive government, that they would be free once again. That's what they are calling to Jesus. And, you know, but that's just the beginning of Holy Week. Between last Sunday and today, Resurrection Sunday, there's a lot that happens, right? On Thursday, we have what we call Maundy Thursday or Holy Thursday. And on this day, we find Jesus and the disciples eating the Passover feast. We talked a little bit about the Passover feast last week, about why they were celebrating. Basically, this was a, a festival and a celebration, basically to celebrate the fact that God had brought the people of Israel, Abraham's descendants, out of Egypt. Right, we, we, this, is the, this is their celebration to celebrate that moment. And as, at this meal is when we hear Jesus, right? We hear Jesus say some things that, that are a little bit strange at the time. You know, we, after, after, we know this from kind of you know, 2020 as hindsight. We know what Jesus is talking about here. But you can imagine at this dinner as Jesus is saying things like, as you eat this bread, do this in remembrance of me. As you take this cup, this is the, the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. You can imagine the disciples at this point and dinner being like, what are you talking about? Like, why would we, why would we eat you? And like, why is it in remembrance of you? Why, like the blood, I don't understand. It's this, all these things that they would not quite understand until the days that followed. That night, Thursday night, Jesus it railroaded through the court system. And by nine o'clock the very next morning, Jesus is hanging on the cross. 
We call this day Good Friday. We'll talk about why it's good later. But we call this day Good Friday. By 9 o'clock in the morning on Friday morning, Jesus is on the cross. And just a short time later, in terms of death on a cross, Jesus, at around 3 o'clock, six hours later, is gone. He has breathed his last. Now, dying on the cross was not typically in just six hours. There was some, took more than a day even to be able to do this. I'm going to switch my microphone. Let's do that. Keep breaking out the whole patch, whole thing. Check, check. There we go. Back. All right. So, uh, by, by, like I said, by around three o'clock, six hours later, Jesus has breathed his last. And at this point, the disciples kind of have a dilemma on their hands. There's an issue here, right? Because uh, they needed to be able to bury Jesus. And it was illegal at that time to be able to bury someone on the Sabbath, which is the very next day, Saturday. Uh, it's illegal to, to bury someone, to do all the preparations and to do that on the Sabbath. You weren't allowed to do anything on the Sabbath. But time was a little different then. It wasn't just, you know, 12, 11.59 is still Good Friday, and then at midnight it turns to, to Saturday. It was when the sun goes down. That's when the day changes. That's when, that's when the, the day changes in the minds of people. And so the disciples had from mid-afternoon until sunset to be able to get Jesus to prepare the body, which takes about 70 pounds of spices and wrap, and to find a tomb and to place him in that tomb and to get that tomb covered. They have to do it by nightfall. They, end up, they do end up doing that, but that is the very first day. That is Friday, the very first day. Day two, you can imagine, day two again starts after sunset. Day two, Saturday, the Sabbath begins. You can imagine the disciples at this point just feeling almost numb. Right, that what just happened? Just, just, you know, if we're talking about sunset, just 24 hours earlier, they are eating a meal with Jesus. Right, they are eating this meal and they are like, no, you are, we can't let you die. Like, you're not going to go anywhere. Like, this is not, what you're saying is not actually going to happen. But what happens is, you can just imagine this, this next day, Saturday, just the disciples feeling completely numb. I mean, maybe you have, maybe you have lost someone before. Maybe you have, have gone through something in your life and just, you know, the next day just feels like, I don't even know what to do with myself right now. I, I don't want to eat. I don't want to do anything. I just, I don't know how to react right now. I just, I don't understand. Our bodies just kind of shut down. And again, we just feel numb. You can imagine exactly if you felt that, you can imagine probably exactly what the disciples are going through on this Saturday. Saturday comes and Saturday goes. And at nightfall, the next day, the third day begins. This third day is extremely significant and extremely important because of what Jesus said would happen on the third day. In Luke chapter 24, verse 7, it sees, Jesus says, The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. 
And this is exactly what happens. Jesus goes to the cross and he dies. And on the third day, Jesus rises again. Sometime between sundown and sun up, Jesus rises again. Sometime between sundown and sun up, the light of Christ shines into the darkness of that tomb and Jesus is alive again. Now, we don't know exactly how it happened or when it happened, but we know that it was sometime in the darkness. And I just think that is so appropriate because Jesus seems to always shine his light into the deepest, darkest moments and times of our lives. Jesus always shines his light into the darkness. Now, here's the thing. Everybody knew about this declaration. Everybody knew that Jesus had said that he was going to come back on the third day. The people who killed him knew it. Right, you go to the book of Matthew with me if you want to turn there. Matthew chapter 27, uh, we'll start at verse 62. You can see the people who actually killed Jesus, the people who hung him on the cross and wanted him dead and gone, they knew what Jesus had said. You get to Matthew chapter 27, verse 62. The next day, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisee went to Pilate. Sir, they said, We remember that while he was still alive, that deceiver, Jesus, that deceiver said, after three days, I will rise again. So give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. This last deception will be worse than the first. So you can see the people who who wanted Jesus dead, the people who didn't want him to come back, they knew what he said. They, they did what they could. They put a boulder in front of the tomb. They sealed the tomb. And they even put a soldier outside of the tomb just to make sure. Right? They, they knew they, they needed Jesus to be gone. They wanted Jesus to be gone. The disciples also knew what Jesus had said. Just in the book of Matthew, and Jesus predicts that this is going to happen. He basically just straight up tells his disciples What exactly is going to happen? I'm going to be handed over to them. They are going to kill me. And on the third day, I will rise again. We see this prediction in chapter 16 and 17 and 20 in the book of Matthew. Three times he predicts it. And that's not even counting in Matthew chapter 12, where Jesus is talking about this sign of Jonah, that just like Jonah spent three days in the belly of the huge fish, I'll spend three days in the earth. All over the book of Matthew, Jesus has been trying to tell his disciples, look, this is what's going to happen. I am going to go. They are going to kill me. And on the third day, I'm going to rise again. The disciples had heard that, but they didn't want to hear that. They didn't want it to be true. So here's the question. If they had heard that message, where were they on the third day? Because you would think that after seeing all that Jesus had done, and if Jesus is saying, look, on the third day, I'm coming back, you would think on that third day, they would be there waiting. You would think that Lazarus, who Jesus had just brought back from the dead just about a week earlier than this, you would think if anybody knew that Jesus could, could, could basically come back from the dead, it would be Lazarus, the one who he brought back from the dead. Where was he? He wasn't at the tomb. What about the 5,000 people that got a free lunch that day on the grass? You would think that they would have been there. You would think that blind Bartimaeus, who got his sight back from Jesus, 
would be at the tomb. You would think that the guy who got lowered through the roof and was forgiven and healed on that day would be at the tomb knowing what Jesus had said. But here's the thing. When Jesus comes out of the tomb, he does so to a grand audience of zero. He does so to a grand audience of zero people. Even the guards in the book of Matthew are scared away. So, I just... Would you join me in the book of Luke this morning? We're going we're gonna to look in the book of Luke, and we're going to kind of just, just talk about this this morning. Luke chapter 24 is where we're going to be. Uh, we're going to start at verse 1 in Luke chapter 24, and we're just going to kind of read about what happens on this morning of the third day. It says, On the very first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, the son of man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, And he went away wondering to himself what had happened. So Peter runns to the tomb after these these women who who go to the tomb. They see that the tomb is empty. They see these two men who are dressed in clothes like like lightning, basically scripture says. they, They see these two men there and they tell them, look, he's not here. He is risen. Right, you're looking for the dead, or you're looking for the dead among the living, right? You're, Jesus is not here. So they go back, and they tell the disciples, there's 11 at that time, because Judas is not with them anymore. For, for Yeah, well, we won't go there, but he's not with them anymore. Uh, but he, they go to the 11, they tell them, but they don't believe them because it sounds like nonsense to them. Now, just that line there, sounds like nonsense to them. Jesus has told them over and over and over again, that this is what's going to happen. But when it happens, and the women tell them what has happened, they say, they say it sounds like nonsense. Peter, though, goes up and he runs to the tomb. We get the same story in the book of John, probably my favorite Easter morning story in the book of John, chapter 21. We're not going to be there this morning. But uh, you know, they, they go to the tomb. He runs to the tomb, and he sees the clothes, and he leaves, and he's wondering what happened. That's, that's, this is what scripture says, that he leaves, he went away wondering to himself what had happened. See, Peter here, this question that Peter is wondering about is probably, well not even probably, it is the most important question that we can answer this morning on Easter. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? This is what Peter is wondering Peter runs away, he's he's walking away, he runs to the tomb, he sees the empty tomb, and he walks away wondering what had happened. What is Peter wondering about? He's wondering, did Jesus really rise from the dead? 
Did this really happen? And your answer to this same question is everything in regards to our faith. Your answer to this question is literally everything. Our faith hinges on the answer to this question. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul is really clear about this. He says, if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. That's what Paul says in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Look, if this, he's talking about the resurrection in this chapter. He's saying, look, if the resurrection didn't happen, what are we doing here? If the resurrection didn't happen, why am I preaching to you right now? If the resurrection didn't happen, why do we, why do we live the way that we live? Why do we believe the way that we believe? It is worthless if Jesus did not rise from the dead. Amen. And so here's the question that we need to talk about this morning the same question that Peter was wondering on Easter morning that, that morning. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Did it really happen? Now, historically, there's been some answers to this. There's been some, some answers on both sides of this, obviously. We believe one side. There's some answers on, on both sides of this. Here's, here's one way of thinking that people have had. That no, Jesus didn't really rise from the dead because he didn't actually die on the cross. This is actually a pretty common belief. This is not an uncommon belief. In fact, this is the Muslim belief. In the Quran, uh, Muhammad says that a substitute went for Jesus to the cross, that it wasn't actually Jesus. Right? There's another theory, it's called the swoon theory, that, that Jesus went to the cross, but he didn't actually die there. As he was hanging there, he was just hurt really, really, like, really times infinity bad. And they brought him down, he was unconscious, and they laid him in the tomb, and while he was in the tomb, he regained his consciousness, and even though he is wounded beyond belief, he finds enough strength to roll the tomb stone away and walk out. Right, there's this theory that Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead because Jesus didn't actually die on the cross. Now, I'll just make this clear, there is no biblical case to be made there. There's no biblical case to be made here. Here's another theory. Well, no, Jesus didn't, didn't rise from the dead because Jesus' tomb was not actually empty. Right? People believe this is kind of the, the wrong tomb theory, that basically the women who ran to the tomb, like we read about in the book of Luke, actually just were so distraught and were so just, just, just they were broken because of what had happened that week. And so when they go to the tomb, they, they actually go to the wrong tomb and they find it open and it's because it's, not actually Jesus' tomb. Now, here's what we have to set aside to believe this, is even just in the book of Matthew, we know that the, the people who wanted Jesus to stay in the tomb had posted a guard at the tomb. So we, if we're saying that he's at the wrong tomb, then we're saying that a lot of people were mixed up about which tomb Jesus was in. Again, no biblical case to be made here. No biblical case to this. Here's Another theory, and this is actually the theory that these Pharisees that we read about in Matthew were worried about, that no, Jesus didn't actually rise from the dead. The disciples must have stolen the body. All right, this is actually, remember, what the, what the Pharisees in the book of Matthew were afraid of. They said, you know, if we don't protect this, if we don't seal it and place a guard, then this is what's going to happen. The disciples are going to come, and they're going to steal the body. They're going to make Jesus disappear, and, and they're just going to claim resurrection on this because Jesus said he was going to be raised again. This is what they were worried about. But, but we have to kind of set aside here of what we know in the rest of Scripture. The disciples were, were locked away in an upper room somewhere, afraid for their lives. Because they thought the same people who killed Jesus would be coming for them next. 
They were locked away. They were afraid. So to, to believe this, we have to kind of turn that and to say, well, they weren't actually afraid in the upper room. What they were doing up there was they were plotting. They were plotting a way to get Jesus and to make him disappear so that they could claim resurrection and move forward. See, here's, here's the thing, though. This idea not only doesn't have biblical backing, but historically speaking, this is not the most intelligent way to go about inventing a story of someone's disappearance. Resurrection at this time was not a very popular thought. Right? In Greco-Roman world, where they, in this culture that, we, that they are living in now, like, to, be, to die was seen as like liberation. Why would you want to come back to this body? Even in the Jewish thought at this time, to, to come back into a world that is marked by sickness and disease is just not, it's not desirable. This is not what anyone would want. And so just to, to kind of go forward with this, this thought that Jesus has been raised from the dead is not, a, not, a, not necessarily a popular idea then. But what we have instead is we have a group of people in this, in this time, in Jesus' time here, this group of people that we know historically begin to believe and begin to claim that Jesus has in fact been raised from the dead. So we have, we have these, these claims that, that just historically, not even just scripturally, that people have, have known and they claim that Jesus is raised from the dead. It's interesting, on these last two ideas, you can kind of see the possibilities here. You can, see, you can see this idea, this kind of conspiracy, if you will, that the disciples would have, have stolen the body. They, alone, they kind of sort of make sense, but you look to Scripture and you can't, there's just no biblical case to be made there that any of those are true. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, again, that same chapter that we were in where Paul is talking about the resurrection, he, he makes the claim here that people have actually seen the risen Jesus. Right? In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse 3. Man, I didn't put my note in. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse 3. <clears throat> for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, who is Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at that same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. I want you to just hear this. This is the same chapter where Paul is talking about the resurrection. And he's talking about, look, if this resurrection isn't true, then what are we doing here? In this same chapter, he says, look, the resurrection is true. The resurrection happened. Jesus has been raised from the dead. And in fact, more than 500 people saw the risen Jesus. And some of them are still alive. You can just go and ask them. This is the claim that Paul is making here in 1 Corinthians, right? Not only, he's not just saying, look, we believe that Jesus rose from the dead. He's saying, look, not only do we believe that Jesus rose from the dead, you can go ask people who saw the risen Jesus. See what they say about this, this risen Jesus. So according to Paul, people saw Jesus after the resurrection. Another interesting thing that we have to kind of keep in mind here is these people who are now claiming the resurrected Jesus are, are kind of looked down on. Many of these people are quite literally losing everything. Some of them were even killed for this belief that Jesus has been raised from the dead. 
N.T. Wright, who we have read a few times in our grow group, uh, he says this about this. He says, uh, the early Christians did not invent the empty tomb and the meetings or sightings of the risen Jesus. No one was expecting this kind of thing. No kind of conversion experience would have invented it. To suggest otherwise is to stop doing history and enter into a fantasy world of our own. I think that's just such a, such a powerful thought there. To, to, to think that they just made it up is to stop doing history and enter into a fantasy world of our own. So then what is the explanation here? If those other explanations don't hold water, and those are the three best explanations, in my opinion, to Jesus not rising from the dead, what is the alternative? The alternative is that Jesus did, in fact, rise from the dead. That Jesus did, in fact, rise from the dead. That scripture is right and true in what it says about Jesus. That Jesus himself was right when he told his disciples what was going to happen. That the women who saw the empty tomb knew what they saw. That the disciples who Jesus appeared to knew that it was him. That those, everybody who Jesus appeared to knew that it was him. That, that those who claimed the resurrection in those early days were willing to take on the scorn of other people because they believed that they believed and they knew that they knew that Jesus was resurrected, that he was alive again. See, Jesus... Being alive, Jesus being raised from the dead is an important thing. It is an essential thing. And if that is true, there are some implications for that. See, if Jesus rose from the dead, then it means that Jesus is Lord over life and over death. I want you to listen to this in John chapter 10. He says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. Jesus is saying, look, I have the authority over life and death. No one is taking my life from me. I hand, I'm willingly handing my life over, and I will willingly take it up again. Jesus has the authority over life and over death. And as he has the authority over life and death, he also has the authority over sin and over Satan. In the last 10 weeks at our church, we've been talking through the Word of God. We've been spending a lot of time in the Old Testament and kind of moving into the New Testament now. Uh, but in this series, we've seen from the very beginning that sin plays a giant role in Scripture. That because of sin comes death. We die because of sin. And if Jesus is Lord over life and death. He is also Lord over sin as well. Paul, in that same chapter in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he concludes with this thought, uh, and I just, I just want you to, to hear this. He says, Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He is Lord over life and death. He is Lord over sin and Satan. And because of that, he is also Lord over you and over me. He has the absolute authority over you and over me. This is the foundational confession of Christianity, that Jesus is Lord. From the very beginning of time, from the, all throughout the New Testament and all throughout the early church and even today, this is the foundational confession of Christianity that Jesus is Lord. 
I want to look in the book of Romans this morning. This is where we're going to kind of end our time this morning. Romans chapter 10. Uh, there's, there's a couple of verses here in Romans chapter 10 that I want to talk about this morning. Starting at verse 9. It says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. I, I want to just... Just stop here at this verse, and I want to just think through these. There's really kind of two questions that are asked in this verse. And here's the first question. Do you believe in the resurrection? Do you believe in the resurrection? Do you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? This is a huge question that we need to answer in our own lives. This is not just a question for for people reading this, the Bible, this is, this is a question that everybody in all of eternity needs to answer. Do you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead? Now, there may be some in here and some that we know who would say, no, I don't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. Maybe, maybe those first three theories that I talked about, maybe those ring true in your mind. Maybe, maybe you don't even know what to believe, but you don't believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. Here's what I want to say to you this morning I would just ask you and beg of you to continue to seek the truth. Continue to seek this truth. God is not afraid of your questions. God is not afraid of your doubts. In fact, one of my favorite scriptures is Jeremiah 29, 13. It says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord. Now, this is true when Jeremiah was talking to those people. It's saying it true the same for us today. If we seek God with all of our heart, we will find him. We will be found by him, declares the Lord. And so if, this, if the answer this morning is, is no, or maybe it's just I'm not really sure yet, I would just encourage you to continue to seek that answer. This answer to this question has eternal, uh, has eternal um, significance in our lives. Do we believe that Jesus rose from the dead? Again, God is not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of your doubts. I would ask you just to continue to seek him in that. If the answer to that question this morning in your mind is, is yes, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead, I just want to remind you this morning that's only half of the equation. Now, Scripture is clear that it's not believe and then go do all of these things, but it's also really clear, even in this verse, that it's more than just kind of an intellectual understanding that Jesus rose from the dead because there's this other piece of Romans chapter 10 here and talking about being saved. It's if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that he is raised from the dead. So that first question is an important one. Do you believe in the resurrection of Jesus? But there are many people who would answer yes to that, who would answer maybe a, a not so much of a yes to this next question. Will you put your life under the lordship of Jesus Christ? That's the other question. Will you put your life under the lordship of Jesus Christ and claim that he is Lord? That it's not your, your job, it is not your career or your family or your stuff or your house or your money. Whatever you have, it cannot be Lord. Jesus is Lord. This, again, is the confession of Christianity from start to finish in the New Testament and beyond. Jesus is Lord. And these two questions are the questions that I want you to wrestle with this morning. 
Do you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead? And will you, will you claim with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? Will you put your life under the lordship of Jesus Christ and begin to live for him? This is, this is the claim in scripture here. And it says if we do this, we will be saved. If we believe in our hearts that Jesus was raised from the dead, and if we can claim with our mouths that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. Do you place your life under the lordship of Jesus? Do you believe in your heart that Jesus was raised from the dead? That's the question we consider today. And again, there are some, of, some people, maybe here, maybe outside of this place, online, or wherever we're watching, that would say no to one or both of those no, I don't believe that Jesus is raised from the dead, and no, I will not put my life under his lordship. I just, again, I just, I beg of you to continue to seek the truth, continue to ask your questions. Some of you, some, some, some watching online would say, yeah, I, I believe that Jesus rose from the dead, but I haven't actually ever placed my life under his lordship. And I would just say, let today be that day. Amen. Let today be the day where you're able to say, like, God, my life is yours. Jesus, my life is yours. I give you my life. You, I want you to be Lord over my life. Would you lead me and guide me and direct me? I want to live for you this morning. Would today be the day that decision is made to be able to say, Jesus is Lord? Now, for others, there, there might be just two yeses there. You might say, yeah, I believe. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And yes, I have given him lordship over my life. And to that, I say amen. amen. But let today be a day where that decision to say Jesus is Lord is re-upped in your mind. To be able to say once again, I like, guess I, I just want to reaffirm and re, re, re-acknowledge this morning that Jesus, you are Lord. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray this morning. And and at different parts of this prayer, there might be some responses for you, wherever you fall on the spectrum. I would just ask this morning that you would just spend some time in prayer this morning. And you would, you would really, honestly, truly, just think about the significance of these two questions. And think about your answer to these two questions. Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead? And will you place your life under his lordship? Let's pray. God... We love you this morning, and we are just so grateful to be in this space together. God, it was so long without being able to worship here, and we are just thankful for this space and this time to be able to worship. But this morning, God, we come and we just acknowledge these two questions. God, there's this questions from Romans chapter 10 that say, do, I, do we believe in the resurrection, and will we place our lives under your lordship? Scripture's clear in Romans that if we are able to do both of these things, if we are able to acknowledge and believe that, that you rose from the dead, if we are able to, to say with our mouths and, and really truly mean it, that you are Lord, that we will be saved. There's not a laundry list of to-dos. There's, not a, a, there's nothing that we can do to earn it, God. We just we believe and we give you our lives. God, this morning there may be people here who, who as they think about these questions, that they would just say, you know, I just, I can't get there today. I can't get to the place where I'm able to acknowledge that, that Jesus was raised from the dead, and because of that, I definitely can't acknowledge that he is Lord 
over my life. God, I just pray in this moment for those people, God, that you would just begin to move in their lives in such a real, tangible way that they would, they would know that you are alive. They would know that you are real, that they would know that you love them, God, and that they would, they would begin to seek you. And God, there are some in this space who would just say, yeah, I believe, I believe that you are raised from the dead, but I don't know about this whole lordship thing. But my prayer is that today is the day where where this is able to happen, God, where we're able to, to make this decision this morning to say, I give you lordship over my life, but I don't want myself to run my life anymore. God, I want you to, I want you to be with me and guide me and direct me. I place my life in your hands. If that's you and you're in this space this morning and you, you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead but you're not quite sure if you've ever given him lordship over your life, I would just ask that you would, you would just pray this prayer with me. God, God, I, I love you and I want you to be Lord over my life. And just spend some time in prayer just giving, giving your life to God this morning. Just place everything in his hands. Would you seek forgiveness for your sins this morning? And would you place your life in his hands? And God, as they as they're continue to pray, there are people in here as well who have said yes to both of those questions before, that we, we believe that you are raised from the dead and we have given you lordship over our lives. God, I just pray that, that we would just sense today just a, uh, just a, re, a reaffirmation of that this morning. That we would once again tell you this morning that you are Lord over our lives. That's you this morning. Would you spend a moment just, just praying and just, just, just reaffirming this commitment that you have made to give God your life. God, this morning we... We celebrate you. We come into this space to worship on Easter morning, the morning in which we celebrate your resurrection. God, we know that on the cross, you were the sacrifice for our sins. And as you, have, as you rise again and as you come out of the tomb, we know that you have you've reigned victorious over sin and over death. And God, we are grateful for that this morning. We're grateful for the forgiveness that that brings. We're thankful for just the depth of meaning that we have in the resurrection. And God, this morning, I just pray as we move forward from this place that you would, you would go ahead of us, that you would go with us, that you would, if we made a decision this morning, that you would seal that decision on our hearts this morning. That as we leave, we wouldn't begin to, to doubt what you have done in our hearts and in our minds, but we would leave knowing that we have met with you and that we believe in you and that we have given our lives to you. God, we love you in this space this morning. We, we love you. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning, I would just say, if you... If you were one of those who, who made the decision to say, I, I, I believed, but I didn't quite have Lord, he didn't have lordship over my life yet, Jesus, I would just encourage you to tell someone, tell someone that today is the day that you gave your life over to God. 
And if you need anything, if you need a Bible, come and talk to me. I want to put a Bible in your hands so you can help just, just continue this journey with him. But uh, man, just tell someone, tell me, I would love to journey with you in your faith. But uh, what a good day. What a good day to worship this morning. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? And uh, as we go, let me just pray a blessing over you. So uh, if you're new here, we do this every week. We just hold our hands out and just receive a blessing from God. And so I'll just ask that you... You hold your hands out and just receive this blessing. May our God, our God who gave his son and raised him back to life on the third day, may he give you strength and courage as you go this morning. May he give you boldness to go this morning. And may the victory of the, of the risen Jesus give you the boldness you need to go where he's calling you to go and to do what he is calling you to do and to make a difference wherever you may find yourself. Go in grace, go in peace this morning. Amen. Amen. Amen.